0: Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is NewMexicoDJService at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gowa for the intro music. Enjoyed the show.
1: Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly in the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what how to even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or Anchor.fm, and it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall, and uh, back to the show.
2: Only Wendy serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? <laughs> So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's
3: Breakfast Biscuits, hot and buttery.
2: So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At
0: participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Elliot, are you ready? Are the recorders running? Let's start the show. Welcome to Not Your Mother presents this episode of Fly on the Wall Radio. We have a very special guest, John Altman. Elliot and John have become fast friends. Elliot, thinks so anyway. The guys chatted about John and his playing with Muddy Waters, Bob Marley, Van Morrison, Sting, Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton to name a few and also how he scored music for several famous films including Titanic, Monty Python, Shall We Dance and TV Drama Peak Practice. Beginning with his work in the late 60s, with his roots in jazz, and still leading his own big band in the UK and USA, John is a prolific and accomplished musician So let's get started Remember that this radio show is listener funded If you wish to contribute our PayPal info is notyourmothersradio at gmail.com That's notyourmothersradio at gmail.com We would like to thank you in advance We really need the help
1: More, I mean, I've I'll tell you, I've, I've come to love you as a person You're, you're incredible and and what and what's amazing about you is that you're so humble. Like it just kind of happened. All this stuff just happened. You had nothing to do with it. You just happened to be the uh, uh, the person receiving all of it. It's just amazing how you just got through all of this with no, um, without a big swelled head. It, it boggles me as well. <laughs> does it? Does it really? Does it well, really?
4: Yeah, it... Yes, I mean, I, I look back and I just think because I hadn't actually pre-planned the career path uh-huh. that I stumbled into all these things, you know. Oh, yeah, I'll do... Oh, I could do that. Oh, I'll play that. Yes, I'll do this. I'll do that.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: And that was my thing, you know. I mean, I, I never I never lacked the confidence of thinking I can do that. Right. But... Um, I would never, you know, if something came up. It was always, yeah, I, th- I can never go. Why not?
1: Do you, do you think it's because of your background, because of your, um, you know, just 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 your relatives and everything else?
4: That's that possibly part of it. I mean, you come, um, you
1: come from a long line of great uh, uh, arrangers and musicians and...
4: Yeah, I'm very lucky on that front because, as I've told you before, um by the time I was old enough to know what I was doing, I was basically learning how to write music, listen to music, understand improvisation, understand arranging, and it was just purely by listening to music and thinking that what you heard was actually, well, I didn't really know what it was. I just thought, well, a bunch of people get together and they make this, this noise, you know, and yeah. I, I never really thought about how it happened or why it happened just that I liked it so when it came time for me to deconstruct it and do it myself I found it really I won't say easy but I didn't find it difficult let's say that
1: okay but you, you were able to make it happen which is the important yeah. thing
4: so um, let me ask you
1: a question do you remember the first gold album or gold record that you received you have a lot of them but the first one
4: Oh, the first one. I think it was. um, I think it was a silver disc for The Ruttles. Really? Well, yeah, I think so.
1: And how did you feel getting it?
4: Oh, it's great. You know, I mean, it was about the same time. It was The Ruttles and Life of Brian. Uh They were almost simultaneous. So uh, I just, I just felt swept up in the. Notion that I was part of, not not knowing that it was something that would last till today and sure. beyond. But yeah. at the time, you know, everybody wanted to be involved with Monty Python. Right. I was just the guy who who lucked out. You know.
1: Right. 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 So um, and and you were you were in the music business for for a while before that happened. That you know it didn't yeah. happen overnight. You you know you did the Van Morrison thing. You did the hot chocolate thing. That was oh yeah time. yeah so it, it it didn't happen quick it took a while to get that first uh... no
4: and yeah, no, I, I was lucky in a way because um, when I went to university to study English literature I didn't have to go on the road with a band so I my playing experiences during my whole time at university and slightly beyond. Uh-huh were non-paying jam sessions almost, you know. Sure. And when I say jam sessions, I mean I would show up at a Fleetwood Mac gig or a Kevin Ayer's gig and just say, if it was the first time, you know, do you think I can sit in? And nobody would ever say no.
1: Well, and when you say Fleetwood Mac, you mean the, re- the real Fleetwood Mac. Pete, I mean Peter Green's, Peter, yes. Uh, Peter Green's right. Fleetwood Mac. And... Um, yeah that must have been wild he, he was um, he was a brilliant musician
4: I don't think any of the newer lot would have uh, welcomed me
1: yeah I mean honest. I mean the newer lot didn't welcome him back uh, did you ever hear that story at the uh, um, Hall of Fame
4: oh I, I, I it's the whole the whole Peter Green and Fleetwood Mac scenario to me I've heard so much of their side of what what went on yeah and I've known the other side, you know, yeah, yeah. without wanting to get into criticism or anything. I mean, yeah. the basic the basic thing was that Peter completely outstripped what they could do musically. Uh-huh. It just left them in the lurch. I mean, it's like yeah. it's like John Coltrane playing with a a bunch of beginners. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it was. Peter's musical advancement was had gone so far, and they were basically a, a, a blues band, you know, a good rock right. blues band. Jeremy Spencer was an Elmore James impersonator. Um, Mick was a very good blues drummer, but couldn't really do much more. John was a very good blues bass player, and when, when I say couldn't do much more, they didn't aspire to do much more. Right. You know, they were comfortable in that little niche that they had. Right, right. Well, Peter wanted to expand.
1: Yeah, but um, the whole thing is that the, uh, did you hear the Hall of Fame story when he came out to get his award? They 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 wouldn't even let him play, and uh, uh, the Santana band let him play Black Magic Woman with them.
3: That's right.
1: Yes. Yeah. That you, does ring a bell. Yeah, you you met Michael Shrieve um, on our last uh, conference. Yeah, he got his yeah. he got his um, um Hall of Fame award that night as well. And um he knew Peter from the uh, from the Fleetwood Mac days. Peter used to Wasn't wasn't
4: Michael, wasn't Michael the one who got Carlos Santana to record Black Magic Woman?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the story. Yeah, yeah so you know Peter was staying with him in his house. He used to let Peter yeah. stay yeah. in his house uh, uh when they were on tour. And um, Peter didn't even remember anybody in the band that night. He was just so, you know, by the time it happened, you know, by the time the awards were given
4: out, when he came to my gig with uh, James Torme in 2015, uh-huh. I, I was amazed he came, you know, because yeah. I hadn't seen him for 45 years. Yeah. I showed him photos of us on stage, and he recognized Duster Bennett straight away. Uh-huh. But he pointed to the singer and said, "Who's he?" And I know that this was his closest friend, you yeah. know, in, at that time.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, so
4: not making a fuss and not saying, "Oh, come on, you must know who it is." Yeah, yeah. I told him his name, and uh, he said, "Oh, I, I don't remember him." Yeah. What so a,
1: yeah, what, what a shame! What, what, what a great talent that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so. Important. Yeah, so important and so many of those guys Kevin Ayers too was chased by demons his whole life another guy yeah. who, another guy who um, could have been uh, um, huge what a talented man he was
4: know. well Ke- Kevin sort of had a a self-destruct I don't want to be too famous button
1: yeah, yeah 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 yeah
4: and he, he pushed he, every time it looked like he would break into the world and he had huge he had influential fans it was yep. you know people like Elton John and people who could have made him a huge star
1: yeah I mean, he worked with he worked with uh, um, Mike Oldfield uh, you know he, he
4: Nico, Nico uh, well Mike was Mike was just a, another band member
1: right Yeah, you worked with Mike Oldfield too didn't you
4: yeah yeah well, well I, I played with him a lot when he was with Kevin when he was 17 right um, I then, uh, put on some festivals down in Brighton, had him come down and play at them. Wow. And then, um, I was down to play as a reserve on the Tubular Bells concert uh-huh. because the flute wasn't too well. And then they recovered. So I just went and sat in the audience.
1: Yeah. I heard, was, uh, that, was that the first time they played Tubular Bells?
4: Yeah, that was at the Queen Elizabeth Hall. And then, and,
1: um, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, 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 Mick, Mick Taylor played guitar that night too, right?
4: I think he might have done. Kevin was on it. Um, yeah. Viv, Hans, all of the Bonzos narrated yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, I sat in the audience next to Mick Jagger, which oh, yeah. is wow. just about the only time I've ever met him.
1: Wow. And yeah, so I think Mick Taylor actually, and I understand he was out of tune the whole night. Taylor, oh. Taylor was out of tune, and nobody knew, and it was just a great night. it, it, it suppose it was a, like a magical event that happened.
4: But yeah. Oh, I, I had a great time, and um, I, I was very friendly with Mike, except once I bumped into him in um, Gloucester when he was in his reclusive days with a sort of ankle-length coat and uh-huh. shaggy beard. And, and he he sort of jumped back and he professed not to know me or Kevin Ayers or anything I talked about. Yeah. Well. And then a year later, he was sort of kissing me and jumping on my back. Wow. (laughs) Very strange.
1: Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, and he he did. He worked with Kevin for a while.
4: He did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I mean, the last time I saw him was on a video link from the Bahamas Uh um, at his funeral. Oh, He came on and spoke.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah, Kevin. And Ollie Hassel was a great guitarist. Yeah,
4: well, was my best friend, yeah.
1: yeah, yep. And uh, you worked with Ollie as well. I'm assuming.
4: Well, Ollie was the person who got me involved with the Pythons. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. I I went to see a band called Bo- um, Yeah, I think it was Boxer or Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tempest. Okay. John Heisen's band, oh, okay. Uh, that Alan Hayes was in, and um, Ollie asked me to go the following day to a, to do a Monty Python session. Oh wow! So we drove there, and that was it. That was how I started.
1: Wow! And you, and there, pretty much you just took over—not took over, but you were so influential that whole Monty Python, you know, whatever they did musically.
4: Well, it- I'm one of the go-to music people yeah, yeah. definitely
1: and then you know the ruddles you know it all kind of evolved from yeah incredible
4: yeah yeah from from um well Rutland weekend television eric Idol's TV yeah. show yeah
1: and the bonzos
4: yeah I knew the bonzos I never never actually played with them but um i I met them in 1968 at the TV studio. Well, and I used to see them in concert, yeah. you know. But I, I didn't really, I, I, didn't know them as the Bonzos. I knew them individually afterwards. Okay. Um, Dennis Cowan, played, played in one of my bands, Viv Stansall was a friend. Yeah. Legs Larry Smith I knew very well, and of course Neil Innes I worked with for over forty yeah. years.
1: Right, right, right. Wow, so it's all connected. Now the um um the Bonzos were, were the band that played on Magical Mystery Tour. When the Beatles... Absolutely right. Yeah, Yeah, that was... Um, that's a little trivia fact that uh, very few people know. They, they, the Bonzos were in the Magical Mystery Talk. Um,
4: and Paul McCartney produced Only Urban Spaceman, which is their only hit record. Yeah, wow.
1: I, I used to love the Bonzos. They were incredible... uh lo- oh, lo- nice. yeah.
4: Right.
1: yeah, yeah. So, um, going back to Kevin Ayers, yeah, he was destructive. He you know that uh, whole—they uh, put out that album June first with Brian Eno and um, you know uh, John Kale. Now, now and now, Kevin had a, had a quick fling with Cale's wife the night before the concert. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yep.
4: Was, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I didn't play, but I took Olly Haskell to the concert.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah,
4: I, uh, backstage.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. So I'm assuming that. There's a lot of tension there.
4: <laughs> there was an awful lot of tension. Yeah, yeah, I know. And
1: John John Cale wrote that song, you know, for him, and um, yeah. So, man, what, what a way to start a show. Um, but John
4: Cale, you know, I was, go- I, was go- I was just going to say in that scene, uh-huh. every relationship seems so fluid because you turn up and you'd see Kevin's. Girlfriend with Robert Wyatt, and right. then you'd see Kevin with somebody else's wife, and then right. you'd see, and you just took it for granted. Oh, you know who, who's going to be with who today?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, those were the uh, those were the crazy years. It's, but um, they were crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Kale, Kale did a pretty uh, uh, tough tune about the event. So, um, man, so you are such a integral part of British music. That um, I don't think anything went down that they didn't have you touch it somewhere or somehow.
4: Well, I mean, I, i've always I've always sort of been proud, if you want to call it proud, of the fact that everything that I worked on seems to have stayed the course. Yeah, I wasn't doing ephemeral. Ephemeral junk that was going to vanish. Yeah, yeah. After three weeks, the, the, the singing frog or something like that. You know. It, it, yeah, that, it, it lasted, which is great.
1: Was that was that luck or was that planned? I mean, was that just uh, the
4: way it worked? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I ever really got offered absolute rubbish. You know, people wouldn't come to me and say oh, we need a number one hit with uh, right. some, gimmicky, you know, fad that's going to go out of fashion in about three weeks. Yeah, yeah. But it would, be, it would be Tina Turner or Rod Stewart or George Michael. Right. And you sort of knew that this was a class above what the pop music was at the time. Okay. I I never particularly realised, looking back, I do realise, of course, yeah. that all the artists I work with would 50 years later be still iconic or in, in the Hall of Fame or yeah, viable. whatever. Viable, yeah. And,
1: wow. What, what a career. So
4: and you... that goes for people like, you know, Nick Drake and Bob Marley and Amy Winehouse. And yeah. I, I just think to the right people way along
1: yeah yep yep so um i was going to ask you about that i know you worked with um I, I know you 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 started out and you jammed with people i just want this on the record that you jammed with Jimi hendrix um with uh you know peter green you played sax and you know uh you know in bands that you know in groups that you know the jam bands and um so you were actually there from the start um I'm speaking to some of the guys Friday from the uh, Pretty Things. Oh yeah. Okay, and and I know you must have had something to do with the Pretty Things so, somewhere along the line.
4: Well, again, our paths crossed. I mean, Twink, who later joined the the Pretty Things and right. was also in the Pink Fairies, is, uh-huh. is a good friend, and I played with him a lot. Funnily enough, with Kevin Ayers as well. Uh-huh. But. Um, Fifth Prince I knew during the Days of the Pretty Things.
3: Right.
4: But the rest of them, I, although we, we were on the same bill quite often, I wasn't really in their circle. You right. know, it It's, it's strange. You, you, you would get certain bands and um, you knew everyone and you knew everyone who splintered off. And, sure. and there were others who you just knew who they were, but right. you... You might see them, but you weren't particularly close friends or yeah, anything uh, like that.
1: I spoke to Wally uh, about two weeks ago, Wally Waller. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's supposedly coming on with John this Friday, John Peavy. Oh, great. Yeah, so we'll see how that works out. And um, I may have a line to Eric Burden. I'm waiting to hear oh. from Eric. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, he, he, he talks to Zoot once a week. Yes, yeah, yeah. So Zoot is working that out. Uh, um, Eric's and
4: the... I. I last played with him at the fortieth uh, anniversary of Monterey Pop. Oh wow! And we had a jam session with Eric Donovan and guys from Moby Grape.
1: Wow, that's it's just amazing. Um, you, 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 you're in the right place. Always at the right place, kind of. Um, it's kind of magical. So um, we know about the uh, Peter Green thing. We know about the uh, uh, Kevin Ayers Nico thing. You went to um, you, you you started going to college, and you left to work with Hot Chocolate.
4: No, yeah, I I was at university in Brighton at yep. Sussex. Uh-huh. I came back to London University to do a, a doctorate in English. Yep. And I was asked to join Hot Chocolate in about seventy-five, uh, and okay. I gave up all the academic stuff while I was with Hot Chocolate. Uh-huh. I, I couldn't juggle them.
1: Right, and Hot Chocolate was a pretty influential band in their day. They they had a couple of hits.
4: They were the biggest singles band after the Beatles. Yep, and they had a hit every year of the seventies, eighties, and I think nineties. Wow, or maybe certainly the seventies and eighties. Right, they hit the charts every single year. Now, did you um,
1: did you ever? You never officially recorded with the uh, Hendrix. No. Okay, uh, but you did record with Bob Marley.
4: No, I didn't record with Bob Marley, but I took him around London, um, and the Whalers, particularly the Whalers, because Al Anderson, who uh-huh. still plays in the Whalers, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I were in a soul band together in London in the 70s. Wow.
1: Al's a, great and, pl- Al's a great player.
4: Yeah, JR Steamroller Company. We played all over, well, all over London, really. Yeah. We had a residency at the Ronnie Scott's and the Café des Artistes. Oh, wow. And um, Al rang me one day, and it happened to be a birthday party of mine, and said, is anything going on? And I said, well, it's my birthday party. Oh, can can we come along? And that's how the the whalers came to my birthday.
3: <laughs>
4: Just well, joined. Wow. Well. And then I took them around London, I took them to here, Ian Dury. Uh-huh. I took them to the Speakeasy. I took them to um Oh you said the String You, you,
1: you took them to Here Ian Dury? Sorry? You, you say Ian Dury?
4: Yeah, it took them to hear you doing Dingwalls. Dingwalls.
1: Yeah, I'm work. I'm just. I'm going to be speaking to Chaz Drankel in a bit.
4: Well, Chaz Drankel and I were in a band together in hey, 1960.
1: See? see what I mean? Scary. It's scary. There's nothing.
4: We go back. We go back like back there and beyond. Yeah. Wow. And in fact, Chaz did a record called Questionnaire. Yeah, I love on that song.
1: The- That's incredible. I it. You did?
4: I it. That, yes.
1: That's his greatest tune. That's an incredible song. The wow. Endury
4: lyric, yeah. Wow. Or, yeah, ended definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, um, um, reasons to be not Reason to be. That's the Endury. It was uh, um, questionnaire and.
4: Uh,
1: well, think of the second tune that I love from his in a minute. But yeah, so uh, somebody's um, Cherry Red, uh, Cherry Red Records is working out a. a uh a connection for me and chaz. He's he he's, he agreed to do it, so now he's have to figure out how Oh, to... brilliant. Yeah yeah
4: but well, when you when you do give him my best. We, you know, we talk again.
1: Yeah so I, I got a better idea. You call him and give him my best. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well I'll tell you this band, you know, people talk about bands that you have when you're a kid. Yes. Uh it was Chaz, me Rick Parnell, who was Mick yeah. Shrimpton in Final Tap,
3: uh-huh.
4: Pete Van Hook, who was the drummer of Mike and the Mechanics, and Van Morrison, and produced Anita Tikaram and right. various other things, uh-huh. and me, and this is a schoolboy band. Wow. Well, it's scary. It's just... and when we rehearsed, five-year-old George Michael sat outside listening to us.
1: Really. Oh yeah! Wow!
4: Because his father owned the restaurant next door where we rehearsed.
1: Wow! It's
4: it's,
1: it's you are like the Forrest Gump of music. It's, 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 it's scary. It's, it really is. Scary, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. So um, so there's really nobody you don't know. Uh, I'll throw a name at you. I I, I had an interview what with. Is- I, wait wait wait! I had an interview with um Jonah Louie.
4: Yeah. Okay. I used to play with him, I used to play with him in Brit Marvin and the Thunderbolt.
1: <laughs> wow. Um, so th- that's what I'm saying. There's nothing in, in British uh, music in the UK, anything came out of the UK that you Somewhere were... along the way. Somewhere along the way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, you know, and, and it's not even just that one era. I mean, like Zoot. Zoot Money was very popular in his day. So you knew, yeah. you, you know, Zoot, but you were able to travel on, you know, to 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 the Stiff Records people, Graham Parker and all that stuff, to the Kevin oh, yeah. Harris. To, you know, I know Zoot knew Kevin, um, but I mean,
4: and, and John, do you know, with with playing with people like Pharrell and John Legend yes, and Amy Winehouse, yeah, it, you know it's gone all the way through
1: yep how about now anything now I know I know you're locked up now in the house but
4: well yeah I mean musically not really much happening I mean I've got some things in the pipeline that may happen when we come out of lockdown okay but um, I have finished my autobiography which I've mentioned to you before yes
1: looking forward to that
4: published uh, today I got the basically the my chapters in proper book form so I'm just reading through them to see how they yeah the, the, the they survive and it's so it's good. I mean I'm up to about, about page hundred and seventeen. I've still got ten chapters to read. Wow so so I've obviously been productive.
1: So reading that book about you, are you amazed? Oh totally. Yeah and
4: that's what I—that's what I love.
1: So, of, that's what I love about you. Like you're always shocked that somebody knows that you did something, that you're involved in something.
4: Well, the, the scary thing as well is that I—I I kept remembering stories that I hadn't put in, right? And in the middle of the night, and then rushing down first thing in the morning and going, "Oh, I have got to put that in." And yeah, yeah. In English.
1: Wow. Did you keep but, jur- uh, did, you kept journals and things?
4: Yeah, yeah. I've got all my diaries from 1965 through to about 2010 well wow.
1: well wow. yes yeah, so no wonder you have 10 so, chapters incredible so I'm, I'm going to just well, pick- the as
4: well is it, it's got stuff like um, and I know he's become a sort of cult legend figure Nick Drake yeah and. I, I was at the gig where I I had an hour long conversation with him trying to convince him not to give up playing in public. Wow. And it's in my diary. Really? So if anyone said, Oh come on, you can just say anything because yeah. he's not around anymore. But there it is in my diary.
1: Right, right. I remember I was there with you guys. No, I'm just fooling. <laughs> I wasn't there. Well I could say anything I want, but no, you have you have no, the proof. Great
4: times. Great yeah. times.
1: Yeah, wow. And um Dick Drake I I I have all his I've I collected all of his stuff and I've listened to it um numerous times and uh, there's some great stuff there there really is Oh
4: it's wonderful
1: Yeah and you know Richard Thompson is on part of Richard. it um you know there's some great stuff there and I wonder what would have happened if he if he continued the thing
4: about Richard is I never I've never played music with Richard but I played cricket with him Oh really Wow! Yeah, yeah it's, it's isn't it? I mean, we know the same people, and, and I've worked with Linda, his ex-wife. Sure,
1: sure. Wow.
4: Um, she sang on a John Lennon tribute show that I put together for the BBC.
1: Wow. Yeah, and that's another whole. That's another whole aspect. You've uh, um, you've been involved in films. You, you know, um, TV. You've just you've been in all aspects of it. Um, how the yeah. heck, how the heck did you have time to do all that stuff?
4: I I don't know. I write it down, and I think hell, yeah. <laughs> particularly a lot of it was simultaneous.
1: On um, um on it be your right shoulder. That's a Grammy.
4: Uh, that's an Emmy.
1: I'm, I'm just an Emmy, okay. I can't see it that great from where I am. Okay, and that's an Emmy. I've got, for, I've got Grammy certificates in the in the bathroom. Okay.
4: <laughs>
1: so what's so what's that award for?
4: Uh, the Emmy is for a film called Arco Two Eight One. Okay. It's about the making of Citizen Kane. Uh-huh. Three days, man. Well. Same same ground, but yeah. uh, with John Malkovich and Mia Schreiber, directed by. Produced by Ridley Scott. Uh-huh. Very good film.
1: And, and you see, that's that's what's so amazing. Not only have you touched so many, um, you know, kind of rubbed elbows with so many musicians, but you've been in the film industry for a good number of years now, too. Some of the films you've worked in yeah. on are just epic, are just huge. Oh,
4: yeah. I mean, I, I always say to people, I've, I've done... I'm responsible for three sequences in movies that everybody in the world knows,
3: uh-huh.
4: which is extraordinary. Which is always look on the bright side of life in yep. *Life of Brian*. Yep. Uh, the tank chase in *GoldenEye*, the James Bond film. Uh huh. And the ship sinking in *Titanic*. Yep. Wow. Well, All of which I, I'm responsible for. Yeah.
1: Well, you troublemaker on films, huh?
4: Not bad <laughs> going. <laughs> No, oh, you know, most people would say, you know, oh, it's great to, to have done one movie that people remember. Yeah, and I'm lucky; because I've got a whole batch of them. Well, yeah, it's more. If than, I name it,
1: it's it's a it's more than luck. I mean, you obviously you have the uh, goods that back it up. I mean, just uh, I'm just looking at some of your credits here. I mean, the people that you've um, I don't, I'm just gonna I'm gonna read out a couple of them. Obviously, you know, we all know you did. You, you've worked with Rod Stewart. You've worked with Tina Turner. Um, I I told you, I was listening to, I forgot who I was listening to.
2: Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's at participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Barry White,
1: you've worked with Barry White. Yep. Um, I mean, it's every aspect of. of, of um, you, you worked on the on downtown train with Rod Stewart, right? Yep. And um, you arranged that. You've arranged um, music for Diana Ross, Bork. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just you—you you did the um, All Star Band for the '81 Amnesty International Benefit Show. You did, you know, Secret Policeman's yep. um, uh, Other Ball, and that—that that you worked with Sting, Clapton, Beck, uh, Collins, Phil Collins, Bob Geldof, Donovan, and Midge, and. Um, you know, it doesn't get any crazier than that. There was insanity. There was that, like great stuff. And um, Well,
4: I mean, the, the, the crazy thing was I was the band leader for all of Yeah. They yeah. had to take my, my direction. Right,
1: right. And did they listen? Right. Did they listen? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. nothing a been out.
4: You know, what could be
1: better? <laughs> yeah, wow. So, um, what sticks out of your mind as being, like, one of the, um, most incredible things that you think you've done
4: there's so many that I could point out I mean playing wise I, to, to have Muddy Waters and his band at my 21st yeah that's you know I mean I, I can never forget that
1: wow how that happen um, how'd that happen
4: completely by accident um, my friend Alan Molina who's now in LA uh huh um, was the social secretary at the university, and he was my flatmate. And he booked Muddy Waters on the night of my party to play at um, a venue on the university campus. And mm. that's my party was another part of the university. Okay. And Alan basically cut a long story short. Alan said to Muddy in the band you're all invited to this party afterwards, there's going to be food. And in England in the 70s, the early 70s, you couldn't get a meal after 8 o'clock at night. Right. It was impossible. So they all trooped down to our, uh, to my party where there was food. A lot of my friends like Rick Parnell had brought equipment down, but there were no amplifiers or microphones. Uh-huh. So the roadies came in as well. And one of the guests at my party had been a marshal at Woodstock. Oh, okay. And they recognized her and they said, We know you. And she said, Yeah, you look familiar. And she had looked after canned heat at Woodstock. Oh, wow. So they had a big reunion and they said, uh, What's with all this gear? And she said, Oh, it's a terrible shame. John's invited all his friends and there are no microphones or amps and they said oh we'll sort that out and next thing I knew the back doors opened and in came all the Rolling Stones gear which they borrowed for the tour so basically my my friends got up and played and Muddy and the band came out the back room and then Muddy said "Uh, can we play and I thought oh okay
1: if you have
3: to so
4: we all we started leaving the stage and Muddy said where are you going and I said, "Well, you want to play?" He said, "No, you stay up here and play with us." Oh wow! And that was it. This this is about midnight. We were thrown out at seven in the morning. Wow! Still so, playing. Wow! Well, Still. Playing.
1: Yeah, I can understand why. That's uh, yeah, it's incredible. That's
4: yeah. So uh, that's got to be a highlight. Yeah, I'm yeah, playing yeah. with Van. Um, You know, having a number one record was the highlight. There are so many. I mean, it's... it's, After a while, I wouldn't say you expect things to be successful, Uh because you never do. You never know what they're going to do. Sure. But the the satisfaction of doing something that everybody knows is fantastic. The only problem, of course, is that when you work on something like Titanic... After you finish for two years, you're telling people, "Oh, I did Titanic," and they're going, "What's that? We don't know what you're talking about." Right. And then two years later, the film comes out, and everyone's going, "Oh, you did this, you did that," yeah. and you're struggling to remember what it is they're talking about because yeah, yeah. it's two years. Ago.
1: Wow! But um, you you've um, you released an album, right? You had an album out.
4: Uh, I have put out a couple. Right. I've got a big band album in the can that I want to put out soon. Uh I had a quartet album out, a jazz album done in LA um, with uh, some great players. Oh, yeah. Greg Bissnet, great drummer. Yep. Um, Tom Ranier, Chuck Berkoffer, who was with Sinatra for years, Uh Bill Cunliffe, Sprinker.
1: Was Alyssa McCann in that band? Sorry? Les McCann?
4: No, I played with Les McCann with uh, at uh, Slim Gaylord's Memorial okay. in London.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll, and Percy
4: P.Q., yeah.
1: Yeah, so yeah, your album came out in 2006, right?
4: Yeah, it must be that long ago. Yep, 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 yep.
1: And, um, blah, blah, blah. So, let's see, who's in that band? Okay, that's, because you mentioned. And then you were um you were a patron of the national jazz archives, so you've been, yep. so that's another whole aspect um you you are you're noted as a jazz player you're 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 an accomplished jazz player
4: i yes i mean i enjoy playing jazz and i enjoy being recognizable in the sense that i don't necessarily sound like anyone other than myself, which is mm. always what i've wanted to do mm. Yep, yep. Like, like music yeah. um, it, it it's difficult keeping the playing going as you can imagine when you're yeah. in the studio so writing yeah but i I've always tried to keep the the playing side going yes and it, not just in jazz you know, the, the funk thing as well I love playing you with Steve Wonder's band or yeah, and, Prince's band and I remember
1: that story you told me about your uncle telling you that um, you're going to stop playing and just uh, oh
4: yeah. yeah yeah he was convinced I wouldn't you know I wouldn't be able to keep it up yep which sort of spurred me on to think right I'm going to do it more
1: there you go you, you, are you playing now just hanging out in the house just you know kicking back i
4: haven't played much I, i've got the horn out a couple of times just to see if i can still make a noise on it yeah but i have to get back in trim if i'm going to come out again <laughs> get back so into the I've spent most of the, time, most of the time writing the book right. really
1: okay now you um you were, you also did work with um Andy Summer pearls of wisdom
4: yeah we had a little band together um, andy's one of my other friends and course grew up with him well and um, we went to Shanghai a lot every year. Oh, really, we would make a trip to Shanghai and hang out. And uh, yes, um, again, you know, the last time I saw Andy was probably well, it definitely was the last time I was in the states, which would be October 2019.
1: Okay. It was quite a while ago. Yeah. So but you, we. So 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 you were rabble rouser. You don't look. You kind of look like. Um... You don't look oh like no a, Yeah you don't look like the guy who would start any trouble But you, you've uh... Uh,
4: I'm, I'm very mellow Yeah okay yeah. So yeah yeah
1: Because you don't look like the type of guy who's going to start uh, You know f- Making a lot of noise and stuff So uh, Royal, no. the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra You were a guest yeah. conductor there so,
4: Absolutely Yep
1: And um, you were in the American Society of Music Arrangers And Composers uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing. Council of the British Academy of Film and Television, BAFTA. Yep, I was on that. Yep, 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 yep. And um, you worked on the final Pete Seeger pieces.
4: I did. You his on... last ever record. Yeah. Yep.
1: And um, that which must, was that must have been incredible.
4: That was great. I mean, the the album, which is not that well known, but it's really good. It's it's for Amnesty International, and it was the songs of Bob Dylan yep. on the 50th anniversary. And I did two tracks. I did um, Forever Young with Pete Seeger, uh-huh. with uh, Bella Fleck on oh, banjo. Yeah.
3: Bella Fleck, yeah.
4: Mark Hudson produced it. Wonderful. And then I did a George Harrison-Bob um, Dylan collaboration, a song called I'd Have You Anytime,
3: right. where me.
4: the band was uh, Patrice Russian. Yeah, uh, Ed Livingston, Lawrence Juber from Wings, right. uh, Peyton Cameron, great drummer, Tom Scott on saxophone, wow. who of course yeah. was George's best mate. Yeah, and F. Rachel Wood singing, it was amazing.
1: Well, wow. um, I have that album. It's a great album, a great set. It's a good album. Yeah, it is. A lot of great people on that album. Um, yeah. So let's see. Okay. So let's get to a little more of the current stuff. You had that, um, you were working out of that club on Monday nights. You, yep. you co hosted, um, let's see, because you were the co founder, co host for seven years of the Ten Rooms Monday Night, right? Yep. And, Wonderful night. Yeah, and um, tell us about some of the guys who passed through that.
4: Oh, I mean, it was basically a house band and whoever came in and wanted to join in Right. so we had uh, Will Smith Shaka Khan Lionel Richie The Roots Ja Rule Sean Paul Macy, Naz
1: Macy Gray,
4: Gray Pharrell the, um, Eddie Griffin Chris Tucker
1: Black Eyed Peas
4: Black Eyed Peas Amy Winehouse Joss Stone it was incredible incredible night out
1: and that was just a night of bashing around some music and seeing what happened huh
4: yeah yeah it was um, the Monday night hang with music and oh look here comes uh, Shaka Khan oh do you want to sing great wow half an hour spent thank you (laughs)
1: incredible incredible And, and you were pretty tight with Amy Winehouse
4: yeah well Amy was 16 or 17 when I first met her yeah and she was just one of the audience, really. Nobody. I mean, she would not. She wouldn't. She wouldn't publicize her own music or anything like that. But she would get up and sing, and we would play together. And we stayed friendly right till, well, almost the the, the end of her life, really.
1: Right. And um, yeah, it was a shame. She would have been, uh, um,
4: oh, what a voice! What a waste. Yeah, what a waste.
1: Yeah, she was incredible. So um, that must have been great, just you know, hanging out with these people, just you know, playing no, no, uh, like I like to say, no scripts and no agendas. Whatever happened,
4: happened. Yeah, no, no pressure. Oh, you know. Yeah, that's um, pro- that's probably- what I always felt when you know, for example, Stevie Wonder's band or Prince's band were in England. Uh-huh. They just wanted to let their hair down, you know, and play. Whatever came to mind. Sometimes even Stevie Wonder tunes. Yeah, well, so you'd, you'd be playing "I Do" with Stevie Wonder's band, which is wonderful.
1: Yeah, well, and uh, I bet some great, great. Nobody recorded any of that, huh?
4: I hope somebody did. Yeah. Fun, fun enough. Some of the film of the ten room shows has emerged. Oh, really? I do have that. Well. Um, I- it's people. It's John Legend's showcase. Uh, Sean Paul. It's Anthony Hamilton. Rashawn Patterson. It's quite amazing. Wow! From from nowhere, you know these these have suddenly popped up, and I've got them here.
1: Wow! They must be incredible. Also, um, what would you somebody who's starting out in the business these days? What do you think? Oh. Is it? It's just crazy now, right? Hard to uh, break
4: through. It's it's hard and it's easier because if you, which is something I can't do or haven't mastered, if you master YouTube and Twitter and TikTok and God only knows what else mm. there is, you can build up a following without anybody really coming to see you or a record company or anything like that. Right. So if you can do that, there's still potential for you to... Then how marketable it is, I just don't know. Right. And thankfully, I don't have to know because my my two main streams, if you like, were movies and uh, what we call library music, production music. Right. And they they get used, and you get payments for no matter what you know you're still getting royalties that you would ever get 10 years ago right if I were a songwriter doing an album I'd I'd just I'd panic you know I I hear stories about the person who wrote Kylie Minogue's last record getting $100 in royalties yeah wow
1: I mean I I see I see all these guys selling their uh, um, catalogs now their music catalogs yeah Um, I thought they'd be getting a lot more money for them like Bob Dylan Uh, I forgot. I think
4: Crosby and Bob Dylan.
1: Yeah, Dave Crosby, uh, um, uh, Linda Ronstadt sold hers this week, and they're getting kind of. um, I really thought they'd be getting somebody like Bob Dylan. I thought he'd be getting you know hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And I think he walked away with sixty or something like that. I I I thought his catalog'd be worth a billion dollars. You know.
4: The problem is, I I don't know. I I was writing some songs a few years ago with uh, Holly Knight, who wrote Love is a Battlefield.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: And she was basically saying that her income stream has just sort of shriveled right away.
3: Yeah.
4: Because if she wrote for a Meatloaf album, Uh she would get money regardless of anything if the album sold.
3: Right.
4: Now people go on whatever it might be iTunes or wherever and they go I like that one I don't like that one I'm not right. having that I'm not having that so you could you could be doing a million multi-million dollar selling project and only make one sale yeah it's, it's very weird
1: yeah and also and st- it's why I- streaming doesn't pay
4: yeah yeah thats I was gonna say the same thing
1: yeah
4: so I'm um, I'm lucky in a way because I, I, if they show a film, I get money for sh- the film that's shown. Right. Doesn't matter whether it's Titanic or some nonsense that I've forgotten doing. You know, Christmas film that comes on the uh-huh. the before the our movie channel, and I go, "Oh God, I did that, didn't I?" <laughs> but I still get paid. Money.
1: Well. So yeah. So.
4: There is actually one Christmas film that I did that crops up every year. Really? Which is which, very nice. Which, which, which one? Uh, it's it's called Mr. St. Nick with Kelsey Grammer.
1: Really? I'll have to check that out. Okay.
4: Yeah, cool. it screens every year. Well... All I remember is I did some absolutely cracking salsa tracks in the film. Uh-huh. Uh, absolutely roaring. Uh-huh. And it was one of those things where the musicians—I won't say actually physically applauded—but they were going, "Oh, this is so great! I'm so so wonderful!" And of course, the director wanted sort of sub Ricky Martin salsa pop. Okay, uh, and he replaced all my stuff with 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 that. And the music, the uh, editor rang me and said. You won't believe what this guy's putting in instead of your music. My score stayed, but all the... all the sort of uh, salsery type stuff just went out the window.
1: Yeah, well, okay. So, um, guys, I know you jammed with um, Jimi Hendrix. Did you hang with him? Did you guys get to bond at all, or...?
4: I spoke to him a couple of times. I wouldn't say we we hung out, but, um... He knew me well enough to say hello. Okay. That, that's that's really it. I never got into a deep conversation with him. But, um, okay. The only thing I remember was, um, I don't think it was he who told it was somebody in his entourage told me that Miles Davis had approached him um. and he was really nervous and he didn't want to do it. And I said, well... Miles obviously wants him for what he does, so he should feel confident about it. Right. But I can't remember who that was. It, it might have been Mitch Mitchell. It might have been one of his management team. Okay. But my memory is fuzzy on that. But it wasn't Hendrix himself.
1: Yeah, that's funny because Miles also worked with Prince later on. Yeah. Went from one, ex, you know, he just went through the the eras. And have and I know um, Peter Green, you knew it well.
4: Very well, yes. Yeah.
1: And um prior to um prior to his problems, what kind of guy was Peter? He was, you know
4: very down to earth, modest, likable. Yeah. You could chat with him about anything. Um I wouldn't say dismissive of his abilities, but he was very into playing with like-minded people okay. it wasn't sort of right I'm the star who can I get to back me up it was ah oh, you're doing something interesting okay. I want to explore what you are doing with you a lot more yeah. which is how I came into it yeah. because as soon as we played together the first time uh-huh. we were connected and that's a great therefore it was a game that's that we gr- carry on
1: and that's a great way to be As a player, looking for people who oh, it's uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, who 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 are you know maybe even better than you that you can kind of, you know, learn from. There's always a learning process in music. I mean, I I guarantee you.
4: It's also, it's also a thing of how can I, how do I do what I can do in the context of what someone else is doing and respond to them in such a way that it stimulates them to do something else. So it's a sort of a a ping-pong effect where you're both bouncing off each other. And I got that a lot with Peter. I got that a lot with – I tried to get it with everybody I work with. But sometimes you'll play – it's why I particularly don't enjoy jam sessions because everybody is competing. Right. And as soon as you're competing, you're not making music. You're just in a, in some sort of, you know, yeah. chest beating yeah, situation. Better yeah. Right. than you. I'm quicker than you. I'm faster than you. Whatever it might be.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So, um, what do you think about the new music out there these days?
4: I have to confess. I, I mean, I, I don't listen to too much. You know, I'm not not really interested in rap or anything like that.
3: Yeah.
4: I'm not that interested in mainstream pop music at all. What I... You know, I I like listening to people like Jacob Collier who played piano with me for a couple of years. Uh-huh. Uh, I like what John Batiste is doing and I I enjoy playing with him. Um, there, there are people I, I listen to what I do tend to find, though, a lot is that I listen to, you know, either music from, you know, seventies or eighties, right back to the nineteen twenties. Yeah. You know, if it because it's what I I grew up closest to sure. in my listening. Right. It's like when when I was three, I was listening to Count Basie and Duke Ellington.
3: Yeah.
4: And yeah. now. I'm 71 and I'm listening to Count Basie and Duke Ellington. Right. You know, it's, it's yeah. you're still getting more and more out of it. So,
1: yeah. yeah, plus um I I I'm that way too. If I listen to something, I tend to um backtrack, it, see where it came from, see what the origins were. Yeah. And, and and you're pretty um uh you you came from a family that started a lot of that music.
4: Absolutely. You know, you Which were, is marvelous. Yeah. you know, marvelous um, but also things like, um, I mean, I, I, I was in writing the book, for example. I mean, I, I played with Fred McDowell, Sunhouse, right. Champion Jack Dupree, Lowell Fulson, BB wow. King, Muddy Waters. You know, it, it's unbelievable. It would be unbelievable if I were a blues specialist musician. Right, right. I'm not. Right, so. To have all those people in your in your CV, and yet do other stuff, that that to me was the interesting thing, because a lot of people would say, "Oh yeah, I played with um, Little Willie Littlefield or Big Jay McNeely or whoever it is," yeah, and that's because I'm a rock and roll R and B fanatical mm-hmm. musician who mm-hmm. specialises in 1930s. To sixties yeah. blue, right?
1: But I'm not right. No, you you were, and you, you. actually you played with Little Richard as well, right?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. and I loved
1: it. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you've played blues, you played uh, R and B, you played rock, you played new age. Yep. You've been involved in new age, and yep. and everything that came after that. And um, that's it, that's quite an amazing toolbox you have there of uh, talent.
4: Thing. Yeah. And the reason was I never had closed ears. Right. So if I heard if I heard some country and western music that sounded good, I would listen to it. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, oh I can't I don't like country and western. Yeah. Oh I can't stand yeah. this. I can't so even saying, you know, I'm not fond of rap, okay. I'm not fond of what passes for musical Part of it, uh-huh. but if there is something musical about it that, that happens, like I don't know Kendrick Lamar or someone like that, uh-huh. then I, I, I'm into it. You know, I listen to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the fact that you've done so much um, serious music and were was were able to put on your Monty Python hat and do that yeah. whole thing. You know, it's uh, quite an amazing feat. So um, I'm looking at some of the films that you've worked on. Uh, Funny Bones, Beautiful Thing, The Matchmaker. There's a ton of them people don't
4: realize. Oh, 50-something. Yeah, yeah.
1: People, you know, it's uh, quite an amazing um, uh, uh, history. Then TV. You you left a mark in TV. Um, You've you've done a lot of TV work. And then you... Then you've even taken your talents to commercials. Yep. And uh, the, the what I keep reading is you've done over 4,000 TV commercials. Yep. And, um, wow. So TV. It's true. What, what, what are some of the companies that you've done TV commercials for? You,
4: you name them, I've done them, I think. Yeah, you uh,
1: all the airlines,
4: all the airlines. I mean, even TWA and Pan American. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know?
1: They didn't work. That didn't work uh, that well.
4: No, Apple computers. I did. I did their second commercial. Wow. I said this will never catch on. Uh-huh.
1: Wow. <laughs> um,
4: all the all the drinks, all the cars, all the uh, clothing lines, all uh-huh. the perfumes. You yeah. name it, I've done it. Okay. Basically,
1: cool. Wow. And that's just, I, I, I don't know how you got time for this, how you how you fit that in.
4: No, it was like a conveyor belt. You know, you'd, I was talking to my friend the other day, and we were re- remembering when I would do five or six commercials in a week. Wow. Apart from everything else. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah just quite amazing, quite, quite, quite
4: amazing. and um... uh, Yeah, I also have to say that the 4,000 figure uh-huh. includes, Includes cut downs, you know, forty second, twenty second, 10 second 60 oh, seconds. sixty second.
1: Okay, see so that's how you them. did it.
4: Yeah, I didn't actually compose four thousand. <laughs>
1: well, I'm giving you credit for four thousand. That's all that counts.
4: Okay, no, <laughs> it was because <laughs> even if I were writing an arrangement, you know, for a for a which I did a lot of, yeah, because because I covered all the bases, I could arrange. I could do takedowns, I could conduct classical music, I could do a jazz track, I could do rock and roll, I could do country and western.
3: Sure.
4: I just, all the work came to me, and even when people switched direction and said, oh, this sounds a bit jazzy, could it be more uh, 19th century uh, romantic classical music, I would sort of switch gear and, yes okay that okay.
1: well what a mind what, 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 it must be incredible i'd love to spend just I love to spend an hour just in your brain and just trying to figure out how that how, how that works um, yeah I, i'm telling you it's in, quite quite an incredible feat okay so um what's the future what do we what, what does the future look like
4: well as i said I've, I've got My book coming out, hopefully, in the autumn, I hope. Um, A few writing projects in in store. Once we get back to playing, I I want to get back to playing, obviously. Sure. And just keep staying healthy and, uh, you know, doing as much as I possibly can. Yeah. That's what I'm going for, anyway.
1: And and, and what's the um, target date on the book?
4: uh autumn i hope
1: okay okay so we'll uh look forward to that and um yeah so i think um man we covered a lot of area and i think what else can we talk about is there anything you want to get out there that you want to discuss before we uh, end you're such a. I mean, I know what I know. I don't know what I don't know.
4: <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's basically just what what has come out of writing the book. You know, I mean, I, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed basically everything I've had to work on. You know, and and it's been. I've met some great people. I've played with some great people. I've written for some great people. I I couldn't ask for more, really.
2: Not Your Mother's Radio is listener-funded. If you wish to contribute, our PayPal info is notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. That's notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. We would like to thank you in advance for any contributions. Elliot definitely is not your mother. Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's
3: breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery.
2: So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours.
0: Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.